Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. I'm not even sure where to where to pick up, but focus and leverage. And we had began last week. And if you haven't listened or watched last week, go go check out part one first. And I guess, Lisa, you know, we got kind of fixated a little bit on transitions, our transitions, which kind of sparked this conversation. And no, no doubt, everybody in the audience, if they haven't experienced a transition, will uh, they absolutely will? And they mm-hmm. come on, they have. We've all we've all experienced, and by transition, we just mean a, just a change. There's a change in our circumstance. There's a change in our situation. It could be work related. It could be personal related. It could be both. It could be both. Um, you know, for me, if everything is important, then nothing is important. Everything cannot be a priority. It just can't. It's impossible. And so. I've commonly used this phrase of addition by subtraction, and I think most of us understand that concept. Sometimes growth can happen if I can take some things off of my plate rather than putting more things on my plate. Uh, Sometimes teams can be vastly improved. You've experienced this. I've experienced this. Uh, We think, well, man, we'd be in a hurt if that person, if we didn't have that person and their work product, but sometimes that work product, while superior, their toxicity to the rest of the team is just so damaging. We really have lost track of, of how damaging it is. And sometimes somebody walks out the door or we get them out the door and all of a sudden productivity skyrockets addition by subtraction. And I think it's the same way when we're trying to accomplish a goal, when we're trying to reach what I'm calling our ideal outcome, we're trying to achieve something and make something happen. You know, I commonly will have conversations, especially with entrepreneurs who fall in love with every idea that they see. It's a very, very common trap. It's not common among the most successful entrepreneurs. Now, I don't claim to be an entrepreneur. I define entrepreneurship as those people that can take an idea from zero to 60 in my book are true entrepreneurs. That person that can scratch something out during breakfast on a napkin, some idea that has validity, test it, figure it out and make a go of it. In my book, that's a, that's a true, that's a (laughs) true entrepreneur. I don't have that skill. That is not my skill set. Um, I I'm a 60 to 200, 300 miles an hour guy. I, I need to be out of the gravitational pull of failure for me to really soar. So that getting off the ground and escaping gravity's pull, the pull of failure is just not my skill set or my interest. You know, I hate it. Um, and so to each his own, but a lot of people, especially these days in this culture where entrepreneurship is deemed as, you know, there's a lot of hero worship around it of just every idea is a great idea. Well, every idea is not a great idea. And not every great idea has the potential to make money, enough money that it's a sustainable thing. Mm-hmm. 
And in the same way as leaders, we can think, well, you know, I, okay, there's a new book. Okay, here's another new book. And there are thousands of books published every year that have something to do with leadership. And I don't know that there's anything really new under the sun, but we can start chasing every little thing. I remember having a conversation a long, long time ago. This was back when Six Sigma was kind of a big, uh, well, it's still a big thing. But it was it was first kind of rearing its head because Jack Welsh at GE had implemented it. And you've got Lean, you've got Agile, and you've got EOS. And you, I mean, there's a, there's a boatload of those kinds of, of tools out there. And I'm not pro one, negative another, but I've read enough research and it's interesting to me that high-performing cultures pick one. And it's fascinating to me, and I've seen this in cities as well. They get fixated on one and they go a little bit with it. And then, hey, here's a new one. This one's better. And then they, they dive into that one for a little bit. And then they dive into this other one for a little bit. Or they got a city manager who's a reader, or they got an assistant city manager or deputy city manager who's a reader, and they they've discovered some new book, and that 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 now that book that's the latest greatest thing, and God forbid if the person goes to a seminar, then the troops are like, well, they're going to a seminar, so they're they're going to bring something else down the pike. When research has proven that if we pick a horse and we ride it, it will work. Performance goes up. High performing cultures tend to happen. It doesn't matter. Lean, you like lean, go lean. You like agile, go at. You like Six Sigma, go Six Whatever, pick one. Stick with one. And it's funny how that works. And that's kind of the point here of how scattered do we want to be? How much do we want to diffuse our energy and our focus and our attention and our effort? Or would we rather leverage the few things take an aim at a few things and really push those across the finish line and make a go of it and then mm -hmm. make that sustainable, make that some habitual thing. So well, Grand Prairie, we, we've yeah. talked about, and then I'll shut mm -hmm. up. We've talked about, you know, Grand Prairie has got this Grow Me Grand program of leadership training, which is great and wonderful. And as far as I know, I don't know anybody else that's doing something quite, and I don't mean this, I mean this in all the best ways, as formal, as dedicated as that. And it's great and wonderful, but we all know that it's great and wonderful, as great and wonderful as it feels and as it looks like, it's going to be more great and wonderful as it's being implemented, as people are actually doing something with it, which is also kind of the focal point of this conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, and, you know, it when you talk about focus and um, leverage, you talked about in, in part one, we kind of talked about all the plate spinning, things like that. And here you talked about just focus on one thing, Six Sigma, Agile, whatever. I, I believe that's true because um, just having experienced, uh, you know, I've gone through um, differing leaders, differing uh, the culture. There's been culture shifts in my 27 years um, and if you get too sporadic and, and throwing, I call it throwing mud at the wall to see what sticks, you just right. keep throwing stuff to see what's going to stick. People get tired. You get, you get, um, you just get tired. You, you, you don't have the energy. It's depleted. 
to continue really a great focus. And um, what's so great when you have uh, the culture to start with, just, you know, I call it getting back to the basics of focusing on the things that matter and changing one thing at a time and really doing that well. And then what now what do we need to focus on next when there's a specific focus and a collaborative effort as a team to move forward and and know, okay, this is what we're doing. And it can be several items. It's just not so many that you feel like you can't ever accomplish one well. That's where the difference lies to me. Let us do one or two things really well, even if many departments are working on it. Um, and, you know, that's how Tom started it. When he started raving fans back in 1999, when he started, first we got the mission and the, the um, vision. We established that, published it, did everything around that, recited it. He quizzed us on it. Let's, you know, that, that took a year. I mean, and he, he had us all involved in creating a mission statement that we all bought into. And then as it evolved over time, it was like, now let's get a recognition program around it. Let's have cards and pencils and gift cards. And, and we did it internally. Then he pushed it out to the businesses and we started recognizing businesses for raving fans. Then we got a wall. How can we do it? How, how can we make it visible? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was, he didn't do all that year one in 1999. Yeah. Well, you can't. You I can't mean, it was it like a seven time. or eight year plan where it kept evolving and it right. becomes who you are. Like the words just spit out of our mouths and we're in 2023. Yeah. We are all about raving fan service. We are all, I mean, that's the words that just come out. We want to create raving fans. We want to create, are we creating raving fans? I mean, that's what everybody is focused right. on. It doesn't matter if you're in the animal shelter at Prairie Paws, if you're a maintenance worker on the streets uh, or in the parks department, you know, litter crew, they want to create raving fans. And that is their entire focus Speak for the citizens, the- for the community, et cetera. And Grow Me Grand's the same. It's just another level of it. How can we create better leaders um, and same thing. We're focused on, on one thing at a time and improving. And we're in year, what are we in year two now? Year three of yeah. the class. Yeah. Going into S- year three. Speak to, I'll, I'll throw two, two words at you. Systems or processes. Speak to how you feel those apply to this conversation. So as, as we're looking at, saying yes to some things, no to other things. We're letting go of some things so that we can grab a stronger hold of other things. How do you think about systems and processes and their role in that, especially as we're trying to develop some new habits? And if you can't, I mean, and I'm, I'm, and I'm curious, I mean, back when Tom started the, the raving fans thing, that first year, I would suspect that you know, the systems and processes were in the early, early, early developmental stage. But at mm-hmm. some point, these things become habit. These things just become ingrained in us. It's just it's just what we do. Well, it's so interesting, Randy, because as he talks about this and Bill Hills, our newest city manager, very much, uh, very much like Tom, high compassion, high out of the box thinker. I mean, he has just got a passion for the city. He's been here 30 plus years, longer than I have. Um, and he's very much focused on this. In fact, we just talked about this today. But going back to the the way Tom did it, which gives a great example, 
when he he even taught the raving fans classes himself, he wanted to be in front of the employees. Uh, so it came straight from the top. You're getting it from the horse's mouth down. And I always remember the example he gave is uh, he said what, you know, he used to, he, he went around when he was first implementing this, he went around department to department. What's irritating your customers? And I remember the example as he did training in years later, he said he went to the library. Uh, and at that time, this is way back 20 years ago, probably. And he said, uh, he said, one of the employees said, well, there, the employees get really upset um, when we send them across the street to use the, the payphone." And he goes, naive curiosity, right? What's the next question? Why are you Why? sending him across the street to use the payphone? Don't you have phones? You, there's a line of phones right there. Well, those are our internal. Those are for those are city phones. And he goes, okay. Is there a reason that they can't? So when they need to use the phone, what are they calling? Well, they're calling to see if their mom has their book that can run up here and drop it off because they didn't realize it was overdue or whatever. And he goes, and he said, and then they're upset because they don't have money to put in the payphone. And he goes, is there a reason they? They can't use these phones that are behind the counter. And he goes, no, it's against policy. He goes, okay, can we change the policy? He goes, well, I don't know. That's your decision. He goes, no, that's yours. <laughs> you know. Right. But he talked about right. the simplicity of the empowerment. Whatever's irritating your customers, your customers, don't let them get irritated in the first place. Go to the root cause of the frustration. Don't yeah. let them get mad and then it's all for it. Figure out what's making them mad and stop doing that. Right. And it was just the simple, there was another one. He gave an example. It was like, yeah, they have to go over and use the, like, you know, the massive trash cans because we can't use these little ones because they're for just the employees. And he's like, does it matter where the trash gets thrown? And they're like, well, these are just for employees. You know, it was just, it was, he just gave these examples around yeah. the city. Yeah. We're just trying simplicity. to comply with policies. Yeah. So not questioning the fact that the policies might be idiotic. That's right. And so, so it, it goes to your point that, Processes are huge in when you're talking about outstanding service and when you're talking about grow me great, when you're talking about a culture, doesn't matter whether it's ours or yours as the audience. The processes must match the culture and you got to figure out what is not working, what is not great, what is irritating our customers or making life difficult, whether that's the citizen, another employee or your own teammate. What are we doing that is not efficient, is not effective, and does not align with the values and the mission that we are holding at the top? If it doesn't align, we need to fix it. So we are a big, and we're not perfect. I mean, every year, I know when I was over HR and now as a managing director, we're already looking at my first questions were, what is not going well? What If you can need to change something, what is it you want to change to make it better for you, for your department, for the community. And they've, you know, they've all given me something, whether it's internal, whether it's teammates, whether it's a process. And we're just focusing on those one at a time. What, okay, how can I support you? What do you need? What do you need from me? What are you trying to accomplish? And we just have already been guiding them through those changes to make them align. And you can only do, we set goals. And I told them just three goals. Just give me three goals for the year. You can add more. But three goals we're going to commit to CMO. And and it's typically around an improved process because it goes back to raving fans. Right? It goes back to our values of people, service, and integrity. 
if people are, if we're not serving them well, if we're, if we're not doing something that makes our people happy, if we can't give them competitive pay packages, whatever, everything almost always aligns to our mission and our values. Um, and then we move them. Everybody's moving the needle. We're moving a little bit, but we're not focusing on 50 things. We're focusing on three and three we can get done in a year because they're split. I typically take them from one from each team. And we all yeah. have a, we have a lot more. I'm just right. saying that's what's right. communicated to get published. And then all the other stuff we have on our list to get done. But those are the ones that are high, like you talk about, highest priority in the event we need to focus. We focus on those first, then every uh, everything else falls behind it. Because well, we I, can leverage more. Yeah. Right? That's right. When you have a focus. I mean, it goes together exactly like you've said. I would introduce to the audience, you know, the concept, the idea of triage. So any of us who've gone to an emergency room, we have experienced this. And I get that, okay, today we got all these urgent care places and might not be quite, but even they have to triage. Mm -hmm. If you go to any of these places and there's a crowd, if it's not a crowd, then all bets are off because you walk in, they take you right away. But you could go to an emergency room, especially on you know, a week, a weekend at night mm -hmm. when it's busy and depending on the nature of your malady, let's assume that your malady is something relatively Not bleeding minor. or breathing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> then you are going to be assessed the minute you walk in that door and they are going to make some decisions. Now we're not talking about customer service and you being happy that you have to sit there while somebody who may be fighting for their life is back behind those doors and you That's can't right. see that going on. Right. They have become the priority. Sorry, but the world doesn't revolve around you and your hangnail. You know, it revolves around <laughs> that person back there who may be in cardiac yeah. arrest. Sure. Because they have this room full of people who need their attention. They know that, but there's this one. This is now life and death. That's right. We have a similar thing happening with us in our lives, professionally and personally. We have stuff that bubbles up and it becomes urgent, which necessarily makes it important. Then we have other things that are important and that may necessarily make them urgent. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have to be the same. That's we right. have the capacity to make <clears throat> things that are so low level and so unimportant. We as leaders, as managers, we can make those urgent. It could be a pet peeve. It could, it could be any number of reasons that we do this. We put tremendous focus on something that even if we achieve the ideal outcome, we haven't moved the needle at all. Yeah. So it, I would question, well, so why leverage all your resources? Why should ER leverage all of their resources for, you know, a young man or a young girl that comes in with a broken arm when they've got people that are losing blood, people whose whose can't hearts breathe. are out of rhythm, people who can't people who are in a life threatening situation, we would look at that and think, well, that's just colossally stupid. But we do it most of us are in organizations that do that with regularity. And that's yeah. what I mean by systems. They have got a system in place where they triage, they know what they're looking for. They are looking for a life threatening events not a life-threatening event okay well now let's look at the severity of it i mean a person could have a broken bone sticking through their skin that's severe may not be threatening their life 
but that's way more severe than a fracture. A sprained ankle. Well, even a sprained ankle that you can't tell if it's broke or not. Right. So, you know, our ability to assess those things and to have systems in place that will do that. And here's the reason that I would encourage everybody to focus on the systems and the processes is number one, our people need it. Our teams need it. They need to have confidence that they know what they're doing. You go to any ER anywhere in the world, and they're going to be doing what I've just described. There's protocols. There's processes. Why, why, right. Why, why is that? Because right. they have collectively learned, you know, there are people that are in deep distress physically, sure. and we've got to take care of that. They, they yeah. become the priority. And now all the things are put in motion. There are many other systems that are way above my pay grade that they know what to check for. You know, is it a heart issue? Is it a loss of blood issue? Is it, I mean, these are different things. Is it a, is it a brain situation? I mean, what is it? Uh, You know what? And it's so interesting, Randy, as you, as you talk about that, because what I have found over time, I don't know if you found the same thing. I'd be interested in your perspective. What I found is often people believe leaders believe that their people know the processes that they know the protocols, that they know the processes, and are all following the processes. And one of my big do you think that's because is that because they is that because they have a process, or is it because they just think that they instinctively or experience wise they should know? What what I've often found is they think they know. They think it was taught. They think it was right. shown. They think yeah. it was demonstrated, or they think it should be natural because it's natural for them. Yeah. And so that's where the, I have nine times out of 10, there is a breakdown between what I believe to be true. We talked about perspective and perception that we're going to have for another episode. Yep. But because my perspective is that's easy and everybody knows that. And why wouldn't you know that? You have to go back to the basics. And I always say, inspect what you expect. Do you know where to find that? Do you know? Are you aware of the process around that? Well, here's what I know. What do you believe the process is? And then blah, 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 blah. And and you'll immediately find a disconnect. And I'm like, how did you gain that information? Well, I never was taught. I just had to learn it. And I watched so-and-so and read this old SOP from the 1990s. And you know what I mean? It's just they're trying to do their yeah. best. Yeah. But what we think they know, they just don't know. And I have learned over time so much to not get you know, when I was a young manager, I used to just get so frustrated going, why didn't they just go look at X? Why didn't they just go? And then I realized, you know what? They didn't even know where to go. They didn't even know that X existed. Exactly. Because nobody told them. And we thought that everybody knows where X exists, you know, to go look at. So we put together, you talk about processes, we put together a resource guide. Here's where this is. And we have them sign off on it, that we taught it. Not for them so much as it is for us to know we taught them so they could succeed. Right. And the learning curve is less. Processes are important. Even more important is making sure that you, through curiosity, were asking the right questions to make sure those processes are in place and followed. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's so it's just unbelievable how many times because it came easy to me, I think somebody else should know. And you have to take a step back and ask the questions and make sure they understand those well, protocols this, in this place. That's to, how it's lost in translation. Yeah, that's right. And this speaks to why people get this. This speaks to why 
the effort gets diffused and, and people go chasing all because they don't know. That's right. Unless I know if I'm in ER and I don't know the triage protocol. Okay. Well, I just, how, why, why are you putting your effort on this child with a sprained ankle? They were the next person that came in. Seemed logical. Okay. But that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> That's wrong. Yeah. We've got three other people back here that are fighting for their lives. This kid with a sprained ankle is not fighting for his life. He's screaming and he's not happy. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's where the focus and the leverage gets completely wiped out. Yeah. In my experience is because we don't back up enough to say, okay, can we get our focus where it needs to be, which is completely on us as leaders to establish what's important. Right. And, and not we, only do that, but that support the team. Right. Well, yeah. So you have to support them in the effort rather than criticize. And secondly, what I found to be important is you have to um, not only educate them and inform them, you have to make sure they understand. So when, like when I'm teaching something or when you talk about focus, when I'm trying to make a point about something that's important to me or important to our team as a whole, I often will have them, I'll say, so tell me what you heard, right? To check, and I always tell them, so check understanding, not to put you on the spot, but I want to understand because if there's a gap, let's solve it for it now versus when we're in the middle of the fire and I realize you don't know how to use the fire hose. Yeah, well, it's the show me step. And most people that do any kind of training, they don't do that. They just think a regurgitation of the stuff is necessary, trained, sign off, done. Yeah. Okay, well, now ask them, okay, here's what we went over. Everybody understand? Every hand is going to go up. That's right. Now say, show me, and you will find out how well they understood. Yeah. And you will and probably how, find out. And how out well you do you think they understand? It's yeah. about a third of them, right? Well, I and think it's I'm, not because they don't try. You know, that's the, right. the most thing I've learned to question is when somebody says, got it. They don't get it. No, they don't have <laughs> they, it. They, don't, they have don't have it. No, they couldn't find it with both hands and radar. Yeah, listen, I so, learned I learned coaching six-year-olds because you coach six-year-olds and you show them a drill that you want them to do. This is hockey. And you write it on the whiteboard, and they're all looking at you, and you say, okay, you know, raise your stick in the air if you got it. Every stick goes up in the air. They all get it. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, now show me. And it's just. It's just harem scarum. They're just, they haven't got a clue. <laughs> They're and looking so, back at you like, is, yeah. uh, is that right, coach? And so now it's not only <laughs> are you going to show me, but now we're going to show you. We're going to demonstrate this. Not that we didn't do it before, but okay, we're going to show you again. We're going to show you again. Okay. And now we're going to make you participate mm -hmm. with us. Okay. Now you guys go do it on your own. Now show me that you, you know it. Mm -hmm. And then as a leader, being a coach, the minute you show me that you got it and you can do it, now what do I expect? And I would tell these six-year-olds, that's what I expect. Now, every time we want to that drill done, that's how we want it done. Every time. Right. Right. That's a system. And without that's that, right. it's just harem scarum. People assume that this is a priority. Maybe, you know, we assume, well, we, we thought this is what you wanted. Why? Because we expressed that or we expressed it clearly. No, but it could be, well, we went off. We got angry one time because something wasn't done, and now somebody made note of that, and now that becomes their priority. When in our head, that's not the priority. Yeah. 
Or so the other we, thing that happens, the other thing that happens is when they start questioning it and say, show me, then they critique, which you cannot, you cannot criticize. You have to reteach. Do you see yeah, what I'm saying? You just have to so, correctly teach it. Yeah. So what, what I often see that the failure in that, in that demonstration is typically when that leader comes back and says, did you not understand what I just showed you five times? Did you not? Well, that's a fruitless question anyway. How, how can you be so ignorant to not? I've clearly, right. we talked about it on the whiteboard. Right. You know, I mean, you'll see a condescending tone or yeah, a, that's right. a, 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 um, a delivery of the message that is poor, that is condescending, questioning, like almost like you, you're not smart enough to grasp it. When in fact, they genuinely don't. They heard the message and it made sense what you were saying until they tried to do it and then realized, wait, I don't understand what I'm doing. There's a gap. Well, that's where I think that's on us. I think that's on us as that's leaders. Correct. That, that's where my metaphor of the whole relay race thing of we've got the baton. If the baton hit the floor, it's on us because that's we right. had a hold of the baton. They don't get it. And if they don't get it, then we let go of it too soon. Yeah, that's so right. So we got to go back and redo it. And I think that's where... The only time I'm willing, to trans I'm only willing to transfer ownership after you have successfully shown me that you got it, you understand it, you know how to do it, and you've shown me, you've physically shown me and yourself and the rest of the team, you got this, you know how to do this. Now, I'm not going to let you off the hook ever again. That's you right. are not going to be able to find any excuse in the world That's for right. why you didn't do it, because I saw you do it before correctly. That's right. So that's where the baton, in my opinion, as a leader, gets transferred. And now, well, everybody that I've seen that wants to be a high performer or is a high performer, they want it. They want the baton. They Give me the focus yes. point. Give me the leverage. Give me all the tools to do it. And they will push it across the finish line. We just can't make it where that's everything. That's right. And when you talk about focus and leverage... The point I want to make to the audience is this comes back to us as leaders. You have a moment in time when you are teaching them, you are, they are seeing your effort from start to finish, from communicating the message, demonstrating the message, teaching it, evaluating how they performed it, and passing the, the torch in, the, in the, the baton, as you explained it. The failure in leadership is when they told them once and then don't check it and go back and then criticize them. You have you will either gain their trust or lose them entirely in that instance, an episode of communication. And it's up to you on how you perform it. Yeah. About a decade ago, I did a diagram. And in fact, I, I did a, I ended up doing a YouTube video that was like a minute long. I'll try to find that and embed that in the show notes for this episode because I was dealing with an entrepreneur and just had fell in love with every idea, fell in love with every goal, fell in love with every plan, fell in love with every objective and every dream that he ever, that ever passed through his head. Kind of a deal. Tremendously talented, but unable to leverage. And we were, we were in a meeting and I just, I grabbed a piece of paper and I drew a circle and I drew a, a point in the center of the circle. And I said, the outer part of the circle represents your achievement of any of these goals. And so let's just put an X on the outer circle somewhere. 
So we put an X and I said, what does that represent? He told me, I forgot what it was. It was some business idea. Okay. So now you got any others? Yeah. We put another X. We put another X. I think we got up to eight X's on the circle. And I said, okay, so we're going to assume that it's going to take, they're all the same distance away, which isn't how life really works. But right. for the sake of the exercise, go with me. And I said, so we're going to take one step, pick an X. What X do you want to take a step toward? He said, well, I want to take a step toward all of them. I said, you can't, you got to pick one because you can only take one step at a time. So he picked one. So we put a dot, I put a dot away from the dot toward the X. So I'm trying to go from the center dot out toward the X on the outer, outer circle to get to the goal. We ended like up the first spoke in a wheel. Yeah. Yeah. We oh, yeah. ended up taking, so we're, we're pursuing eight different points on a circle from the center. And I think we had gotten up to maybe 15 and one was maybe one step ahead of any of the rest, but we weren't very close on any of them. And I said, if we took all of these, so I took all of those and I said, so 15 and we did out 15. I said, you realize 15, take all of the effort toward four or five of these goals out of eight. And you would have achieved one of them. If you would have just put your focus and leveraged your attention on that one, can we accomplish that? Can we get to that one? And it was kind of like he'd been hit in the head with a frying pan. And I said, yeah. that's exactly how this all works. You know, we can't pursue all of it. Could you pursue all eight of these things? You could over time. This is why we kind of made that metaphor of tortoise and hare. But here is a person who wanted to be a hare, but he wanted to accomplish what really took tortoise-like effort. And remember Get what you're saying, I think for the, it's important for the audience to understand we're in city government. And we yeah. understand that every day we have 19 things that have to get done. Randy and I are not saying, okay, you do nothing else but this one item today. We're not saying no, that. No, no, no. Well, I want to make that clear. How many of those things are auto, autopilot kind of things? That's right. The but majority it's a project. Of stuff, yeah, the majority right. of stuff that is going on is pretty autopilot stuff. That's right. In my experience. In These are goals. We're folks. talking about things that you are newly establishing major project. Yeah. I mean, you just don't want Good 19 point. projects. That's right. And and you don't move on any of them because you're you're trying to do something on all of them. Right. Pick pick one, pick 3 for the year and you focus on one project at a time, move through it, or pick 3 and you have a team assigned to it and they're working on that. There's lots of ways to achieve. Yeah, eight, eight brand new initiatives on your team is probably not going to happen. And no. if it does, it's not going to happen very well. No. <laughs> That's no. the that's the reality. Yeah, but yeah. I wanted to make that clear. No, Randy's not saying right. he right. thinks in our we have so much time that we can focus on one project a year. That's, that's right. that we in a day we have fifty things we need to get done. We all recognize that. Well, but, we're all doing the work of multiple people, and it right. doesn't matter who you are or where you are. You are that's doing right. the work of multiple people. If you aren't, you're not employed. <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's just, that's just how it goes. So yeah, no, well said and good clarification. We, we've just, come on, we, we've got to, we've got to make certain things priority. So here's Bill Hill in, in this new role there in Grand Prairie. And I know from listening to him and from speaking with him, you know, what just a couple of priorities are and, 
they're all focused on people because he knows that the people in the city are the ones getting the work done. And so I, I applaud where he's put the emphasis on the front end of it because these people now are going to go forth and, and conquer. I think that's an important message. And I think the leverage part of it is equally important because I think it seems to me that you guys as leaders are, are getting the message out. You're continuing continuing to get the message out that the leverage is important. Marshalling the proper resources where they need to be so that people can get accomplished what Grand Prairie wants them to accomplish is the deal. You and know, I think it's equally, yeah, it's equally important for anybody that's been listening to us for any length of time, uh, especially our long-term listeners, this also proves up that the journey never ends. You have heard me go from differing city managers, from differing leadership, from changes in leadership to changes in roles to transition in life. This is a never-ending cycle that's before us. So that road can be different for everyone. Mine has been had mine has had road road bumps, obstacles, U turns, right? Well, the pace, I've gone, the pace, I've gone through the, the mountains. Is, I've the pace had is stops. frenetic for you. The yeah. pace is frenetic for everybody that we know in this space. And I got news for you: it's not just this space. I mean, private sector. The pace is frenetic for everybody, and I do think that that contributes to some of the hair on fire. Everything right. is important mindset that I think is derailing an awful lot of leaders because it's demoralizing to teams who are trying their best to just figure this out. We're trying to figure out how to please the boss, how to make things happen that that the boss wants, how to achieve the priorities. But in so many cases, we've got leaders that are making everything the priority and people are exhausted by that. People don't, they, how do you make that happen? Yeah. How how can I be world class at a, at a, at ten things at the same ten brand new things at the same time, when maybe there are ten things existing that I'm already struggling with, or maybe you haven't even defined the one thing you need to be focusing on. That's another big problem. Yeah, if huge. you haven't defined it, it's huge. You need to. But in our head, we think we have. That's right. Point. We think everybody knows what yeah. they should be focused yeah, on. They know what's important to me. Well, yeah. are you sure? Yeah, you put it in writing. How do you know? Yeah, we put well, our, I mean, you know, we put our top three priorities with CMO typically in green. Yeah, all the other ones are in black, but the three that are top <laughs> right. priority in green, these right. are the ones that have, if we if all else fails, we need to get these done in the fiscal year. Yeah, but everything else we're always striving to achieve and work toward. I told them, you know, don't we don't want to wait till the eleventh month to start working on the goals. So we check in and we keep them on our on our list. Um, that is rolling so we can see them at even at our weeklies. Has there been progress made on the goals? Get right. back with the teams and check the progress. So the be CMS sure, a you system. know, I mean, as yeah. basic as that sounds, that's a system. And so many organizations that I encountered don't have any, they, they don't even, they don't have that. They don't have yeah. a rudimentary. They think they do. Yeah. But when you press, okay, so let's put a bow on this and let's give folks some takeaways. So, I'll I'll go first and then let you let you wrap it up. Sure. I would want I would want everybody to understand number 1 this is really about it's not just about us. It's mostly not about us. It's mostly about our people. It's mostly about our team. And it's mostly about them understanding and feeling 
like they matter. We've said it ad nauseum, and we'll keep on saying it. We lose good or potentially great people because they don't understand or they have not they haven't figured out how they fit, how they make a difference, and that's on us. We have not painted a proper picture to let them know this is why you matter. Yes, you matter intrinsically as a human, but here's why you really matter to me, and here's why you matter to the team, because here's what you bring to the party. Here's how you make a difference, a positive difference. Number two, congruency. Are my actions and my words ones that, that make make people understand really clearly understand what matters and what matters most if my if my verbiage and my demeanor make them believe that everything is important then they are going to struggle trying to figure out what the priority is because there is no apparent priority we just got to make sure he's happy we got to make sure he and that's why you will hear people talk about a boss who came in and they're in a bad mood or came in and they're on the wrong side of the bed, or man, they need their coffee, or whatever, because we're just trying to read the mood of the boss. If you want to have a low-performing organization, then try to be a leader who leads that way. That will ensure that your your organization will be, at best, mediocre, because people will just be trying to take their read off of your mood. That's a bad, that's a bad way to go. So I would have you consider the congruency of your message and your body language and your tone and everything else, every way that you communicate and behave has got to be congruent so that they understand here's what he said. Here's what he means. Here's what he wants. Got it clear. Again, that transference of, of that knowledge passing that baton. And then thirdly would be, Push it across the finish line and celebrate like crazy and make it and make it stick. The last thing we want to do is we want to push something across the finish line. We feel like we've won only to go back some weeks later and realize that that ground we thought we had conquered, we've lost. Now, we've all seen enough war movies and war stories to to know soldiers who fought and died to conquer certain territory only to have that territory fall back into enemy hands in a short period of time. What a waste. What a colossal waste. Mm -hmm. So as you're thinking about focus and leverage, don't do that. Don't conquer ground and have your people, not literally, but figuratively, die on a hill that they conquer for the organization. Push something across the finish line and then lose it because you don't keep it won. We've got to keep on winning these battles day after day, make it stick. And that's where the systems and I think the processes are super important. So those would be my big handful. My top would be on focus, on focus and leverage. One, make sure I call it the focus of the, the organization aligns with whatever department or departments you are leading Make sure that's communicated, number two, so that you're aligning whatever your individual goals are to your citywide goals. Um, secondly, when you're creating those goals on your team to get buy-in so that the focus is clear, they understand the message, and you can see the alignment to what your team feels needs to be done, and then you're guiding the thought around that of what's important. Um, 
Thirdly, make sure as you progress that you understand the importance, like you said, of the processes. The processes must align to what you're trying to achieve to ensure that the culture is held. In other words, you can't say one thing and not do it, not practice it, like you said. You, it's got. It must be the message and the delivery must be the same. And lastly, check understanding. You know, when you are teaching, when you're trying to get focus on those items, you're trying to teach uh, a topic, a goal. Now, when you talk about leverage, now's the time when you have it. You got to make sure that they understand and not what you think that they understand, that they demonstrate that understanding. Show it back to you and you have blessed them. I call it knighting them. I think we've talked about this in the past. I have a, a, a wand that twinkles and lights up. And when they've done something really well and demonstrated it, and I don't use it every day, it's a difficult process. It's a challenge. And they've demonstrated perfection or high accuracy in that, or they've succeeded. I have them get down on one knee and I knight them with the little wand and everybody's looking to get knighted. You know, (laughs) I want, oh, I'm knighted. And they want to sell. And you talk about it's celebrating in a very inexpensive way. So just you got to get alignment. You got to deliver it well, communicate it so that the focus is clear. And then I believe just back to what you said, everybody understands their role and their purpose and that they make a difference. One person at a time, they make a difference. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.